Thursday, March 22nd, 2018, you are listening to the Daily Dose Sports Podcast, and I am your host, Clint Daly, coming to you from the Mile High City, Denver, Colorado. You know, we get together and we talk sports every single weekday, and we try to do it with a dose of common sense, might have some sarcasm here or there, try not to take ourselves too seriously, and we are happy to have you with us today. Happy Thursday to you. The NCAA Tournament resumes tonight. We are almost to Friday. Hey, the week is getting better. That's what I'm saying. The week is slowly starting to get better. Hey, if you'd like to contact the show, tell us how your week is going. We would love to hear from you. You can email us over at dailydosesports at gmail.com, or you can reach out to us on Twitter or Facebook. Both of those handles are at Daily Dose Sports. Maybe you have a suggestion. Maybe you have a question. Maybe you have a comment. Maybe you just have some feedback for the show or need some advice. We would love to hear from you. Hey, we've got a lot to get to on the show today. There are a couple of stories coming out that we do want to cover. A couple of things that I thought were a little bit interesting kind of coming out. And as we do on most Thursdays, we will have our overreactions of the week. We've got a couple of things coming out in the sports media world this week. Not sure if I understand it. Going to have to discuss a few of those things. Plus, like I said, we do have NCAA tournament games tonight. Sweet 16 games take place tonight. Going to give you a brief preview of those games. Kind of let you know what to expect when you get home and watch those games tonight. A couple things coming out in breaking news. It does look like the XFL isn't going to be the only new professional league getting ready to launch over the next few years. No, it seems the Alliance of American Football was unveiled at a press conference this week back in New York. And this league actually gave us a few details of what they would be doing, including when it would start. They say they're going to start February 9th, 2019. Next year, right after the Super Bowl, they're going to get started. It also seems that the AAF, I guess, is going to have a TV partner, CBS Sports. It's not bad. Now, Charlie Ebersol, who will serve as the AAF CEO, presented this new spring league. He's saying it's not going to be a rival to the NFL. He's saying it's more going to be like a feeder system to the NFL. It's going to be a little bit different. Players are not going to be locked into long-term deals. Seasons are actually going to end in April. So it's going to go from February to April. That's it. That way, players that played in this league could possibly still go try out for NFL training camps. In that regard, it would kind of feed into them. They're saying that the league is going to consist of eight teams, although Ebersol says they're not going to let you know what teams or where they'll be until next month. Now, a couple of the rules differences that they're talking about in this league. A couple of things. First, there will be no kickoffs. Teams will start on the 25-yard line after a score and at the start of each half. Since there are no kickoffs, of course, there won't be any onside kicks either. But the team that scored a touchdown gets the ball on its 35 in a 4th and 10 situation. There will also be no extra points. In the AAF, teams have to go for two every single time. Those kind of things scare me off a little bit. Sounds a little gimmicky. We'll see. But here was one thing that did get my attention. No television timeouts. Player bonuses based on performance and on fan interaction. 
something in which league officials say they are going to invest in heavily. How much you interact with the fans. Do you interact with the fans? The AAF also says it's going to have its own app where games can be streamed for free and where fans can participate in play-by-play fantasy football-style gaming. Now, a couple things that are kind of striking me about this league. I do think there could be a place for a league like this. If you put teams in areas where there are no current NFL teams and you sign players from nearby colleges, especially if some of these teams are located in kind of college-type atmosphere places, and then you sign players from those colleges, you would probably have an immediate fan base, wouldn't you? You have some players that maybe didn't make it, or maybe just didn't get a decent opportunity. There could be some players out there. And then, based on the schedule that they're running, if they did show well, maybe they get an invite to an NFL camp. That's not all bad. My concern about this, don't get cute with the gimmicky stuff. Don't make it not football. Because as a fan, we want football. We don't want XFL. We don't want you wrestling or whatever for the coin toss. That's silly stuff. We want actual football. So some of the things, no kickoffs, okay, I get that. But the whole Team that scores a touchdown gets the ball fourth and ten. I don't even understand that. I have no idea what the point of that is. It's very, very weird. Don't get it too gimmicky. The other thing that stands out to me, if they are getting an app where fans can participate in fantasy football stuff right then in live play, how much further off are we from where fans can bet on live play? That's what's coming. That's where this is all headed. Whether we want to admit it or not, that's where this is all headed. Hey, will this next play result in a gain of over 20 yards? Bet 20 bucks on your credit card right now on your at-home app. Telling you, that's where this is all headed. Speaking of the NFL, the NFL's competition committee has recommended changing the language of the league's catch rule in an effort to avoid future controversial calls. And it was announced yesterday that they have a couple of stipulations that they are going to define as a catch when they go to those owner meetings this weekend in Florida. The proposal that is on the table seeks to define a catch as, are you ready? One, control of the football. Yeah, that seems pretty obvious. Two, two feet down or another body part down. We know from John Madden's old book, One knee equals two feet. One elbow equals two feet. Whatever it might be. So two feet down or another body part down. Okay, makes sense. And then three, a football move such as a third step, reaching or extending for the line to gain, or the ability to perform such an act. Now, the recommendation revealed Wednesday by Senior Vice President of Officiating Al Riveron It's going to be voted on by owners next week, maybe as early as Tuesday, something like that. But why do I just know that the NFL is not going to make this easy? They're going to focus on that step number three, the third step, reaching for the line to gain. They're going to focus on that part and they're just going to screw it up because they're going to have some silly language in there. They're going to add going to the ground or just something in there to muck that up. 
We have to really define a football move. Get three out of there. Just control the ball two feet down. Done. Done. That's it. That's all it has to be. Little kids outside playing like touch football can figure out what a catch is before a billion dollar industry can figure it out. NFL, sometimes they can't get out of their own way. Hey, coming back, the NCAA tournament does continue tonight. We've got some sweet 16 games coming up just a little bit, and we do have some interesting games on the lineup. While I actually think the better games are tomorrow night, we do have some interesting games in this lineup. I'm going to talk about those when we come back. Like I told you, you know, I love the Sweet 16. I love the Elite Eight in the NCAA tournament. We get rid of some of the blowouts sometimes. Hopefully, we kind of settle into a more balanced matchup. Now, this tournament this year is absolutely crazy. So honestly, who knows what in the world's going to happen next? But we have four games tonight that I think at least have a chance to be very fun. Let's take a look at the four matchups that we've got tonight. Starting 5 p.m., first game up, we have the number 11 Loyola Chicago Ramblers facing the number seven seed Nevada Wolfpack. Hey, just a quick side note. Everybody out there had this in their bracket, right? Like we all had Loyola versus Nevada in this 16 game. Yeah, I'm sure we did. Just me? Okay. Now, the key for Loyola, they have veteran guards. They're not turning the ball over that much. They're savvy. They're experienced. They've done this. It doesn't seem like they're getting rattled too much. Combine that with a very good defense. You can see how Loyola has managed to knock off number six Miami. How they knocked off number three Tennessee. Yes, they won both of those games kind of on buzzer beaters, but you can see why. They don't get rattled. They're experienced. They're seniors. And you know what seniors sometimes have? They expect to win. Sometimes that's a big difference. Now, offensively, Loyola will take their time. They will force you to sustain your defense for a while. That sounds simple. Sometimes that's not so easy. But as a defensive team, sometimes that is a pain in the neck. You've got to come down and play 20, 25, sometimes 30 seconds of good defense. And then they get a shot at the end. And if they continue to convert those shots at the end, after a while, you start getting worn down. It starts to break you mentally because you go, man, we're playing good defense for a long time. We still can't stop them. That is what Loyola has done so far in this tournament. Meanwhile, Nevada keeps advancing in this tournament with comebacks. Do you realize Nevada was down 14 to Texas in the first round? They were down 22 to Cincinnati on Sunday. And every time they just come out in the second half, shoot the ball extremely well, doesn't seem to bother them one bit. Here's the thing, though. They can't depend on that every game. If they get down to Loyola, these guards might just be too poised to hope that they get rattled under late-game pressure. Loyola, like I said, they expect to win. Nevada can't get behind like that in this game. Both of these teams are a little bit undersized, so I think this is actually going to be a very evenly matched game. Loyola has to find a way to slow down those Wolfpack twins, Caleb and Cody Martin. Those twins are combining for about 34 points per game in this tournament. See if Loyola can slow them down at all. If I was going to pick, I think it might sound crazy. I would probably take Loyola Chicago because I just like guards in this tournament. I want the person that is handling the ball the most 
to be the most experienced, and that's kind of what Loyola has. I would go Loyola in this game. At 5.30, staggered just a half an hour after that one, we have a defensive battle coming up. Number 7, Texas A&M versus number 3, Michigan. And I'm telling you right now, 60 points might win this game. You know, Texas A&M has gotten to where they are because they just play nasty defense. But you know what else they do that sometimes gets forgotten when playing defense? They rebound the ball. You know, you always know when you face Roy Williams teams, they are going to crash the offensive boards. They try to do the tip out thing. They try to steal some easy buckets. Yeah, North Carolina didn't get that against Texas A&M. Texas A&M absolutely dominated the boards. In fact, so far in this tournament, Texas A&M has allowed just eight total second chance points. Think about that for a second. Two games, eight second chance points. There are teams that give that up in a half. I mean, that's pretty amazing. Now, we know that Michigan is another team that prides itself on shutting you down as well. John Beeline has a group that have gotten to where they are with nasty defense, a lot of toughness, and yes, they had a little luck against Houston. We all know that. But at some point, Michigan is going to have to show that they have a little bit of offense. They've been managing about 62 points a game in this tournament. That was against Montana and Houston. They haven't played anyone like A&M yet. I do think that long layoff the Big Ten tournament had may have hurt Michigan's offensive production just a little bit. Maybe now they get it going a little bit tonight. When I look at this game, though, if I had to pick, I think I would do something crazy here. I think I might pick Texas A&M because they just don't allow points in the paint, and Michigan is struggling to shoot it all from distance. In this game, I think I would go Texas A&M. Nothing at this point would surprise me in this tournament, though, because it's just wide open and crazy. Our third game of the night, 7.30 start, at least mountain time. We have number nine, Kansas State, versus number five, Kentucky, and this is another game. It's going to feature good defenses, but a little bit different styles than that previous matchup. For some reason, teams seem to keep having their worst shooting nights against Kansas State. I mean, Creighton managed just 59 points against them. Maryland, Baltimore County scored just 43 points against them after scoring 74 against Virginia. Kansas State is forcing turnovers and they are defending the rim. Hey, Kansas State isn't pretty. Not at all. They haven't been pretty yet, but they have been very effective. They play extremely hard. And like I always say, playing hard hides so many things. You might not be that talented. If you play harder than the talented guy, it looks like you're just as talented because you just play hard. Playing hard can sometimes be the great equalizer. Meanwhile, it seems like Kentucky has learned to play some defense too. We knew this young group that John Calipari had was talented. We didn't know how hard they play. We didn't know if they would really commit themselves to playing good defense. And we didn't know if they could share the ball effectively in this tournament. Looks like that's what they've done. And with their length and with their athleticism, when they play hard defensively, that can be really dangerous for opponents. Right now, Kentucky is pressuring. They're not giving up open looks from three-point range. They're starting to play more team basketball offensively. They're getting four, sometimes five players in double figures every single night. Now, when you see this matchup, I know the temptation is going to be 
that Kansas State's going to get blown out. I'm not sure K-State is the kind of team that's going to allow that to happen. I don't expect them to win this game. I will pick Kentucky in this game. But I don't know if Kansas State's going to be afraid of them. Kansas State plays hard, and they play nasty, tenacious defense. I think that at least keeps them in it. Again, might not be very pretty, but it might be a closer game than people are thinking it's going to be. Finally, our final game tonight, we have number nine Florida State versus number four Gonzaga. Now, doesn't it just seem like it's a matter of time before Mark Few gets the Zags to a championship? And I mean, this year might be the perfect time for it to happen. Gonzaga played North Carolina to the wire last year in the national championship before finally falling. And after surviving that scare in the first round of this tournament, they scored 90 points on Ohio State in the second round. The problem for Gonzaga so far, they can't shoot free throws. They're shooting like 57% as a team in this tournament. Now that's going to eventually haunt them if it doesn't improve. Meanwhile, Florida State is just surprising everyone because they had lost six of their final 10 games coming down the stretch prior to the tournament. But you know, Florida State has some experienced starters and that's paying off for them in the tournament and their bench is chipping in, giving them like 30 points a game. So they have some depth at Florida State. Now, I fully expect the Seminoles to battle here. I think they'll make it tough. I think this game might be close and that Florida State may even have a lead late, but I think Gonzaga finds a way to get the win. They have more experience. And again, I think that is just a team that looks around this tournament and says, hey, we have as good a chance to win this thing as anybody. I think Gonzaga gets the win. There are our four games tonight in the Sweet 16. Of course, tomorrow we've got another great slate of games. Tomorrow night is going to be great. We will be discussing all of those games tomorrow on the show as well. Should be a very, very fun Sweet 16 and a really exciting Elite Eight. Can't wait to watch some more college hoops this weekend. Hey, coming back, we will get to our weekly segment, the Daily Dose Overreactions of the Week, as we take a look around at what is being talked about in the sports media world and try to decide if it actually makes any sense at all. Just a quick example. When the 16 seed Maryland Baltimore County beat number one Virginia, was it the biggest upset of all time? We'll discuss that more when we get back. Just a quick reminder that if you have any shopping to do, you might as well head over to LootCrate.com forward slash Daily Dose for all of the latest pop culture collectibles that feature your favorite TV shows, your favorite movies, and your favorite video games. April's Loot Crate theme, it's called Artifacts, and it features items from Marvel Comics, Lord of the Rings, The Legend of Zelda, and The Dark Crystal. The best part, of course, about ordering from Loot Crate, when you check out, Just make sure you type in Daily Dose in the coupon box. We are going to get you 10% off of your order. And if you heard some of those franchises there, maybe they weren't of interest to you. Don't worry. If you go over to Loot Crate, they have just about any franchise, movies, video games, TV shows, whatever that you can think of. They've got a million items to choose from. Make sure you head over to LootCrate.com. Now, as we do every single week, we have got to get to our Thursday overreactions of the week. You know, every week, we like to take a look around the sports world and just kind of see What overreactions that the sports media world is kind of jamming down our throat? Sometimes we hear these things and we just say something simple like, That was an overreaction. So, a couple of things that we are hearing so far. One of the things that we're hearing is in NFL free agency, where I keep hearing that with all of the free agent moves that the Los Angeles Rams and the Minnesota Vikings have now made, 
They are the favorites to win the NFC. Hey, the Rams went out, got two very, very good defensive backs and a keep to lead Marcus Peters. Of course, the Minnesota Vikings went out, got a brand spanking new quarterback to them. They go out and sign Kirk Cousins. They've got to be the favorites in the NFC now, don't they? Not quite. Don't sleep on the Philadelphia Eagles. Let's not forget that the Philadelphia Eagles did win the Super Bowl without their quarterback. They did win it without Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz is going to be back. Now, one of the things that we look at when we see Super Bowl teams, sometimes there's kind of a complacency. Hey, we won it last year. It's okay. We don't have to go all out this year. The hunger is kind of gone. I don't know if that's the case with Philly. Because I'll promise you, that's not the case for Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz is going to come back this year. And he's going to try to prove, hey, I can win this thing too. I don't think we see that from Philly. Don't sleep on the Philadelphia Eagles. I think they're going to be right there again. Another overreaction that we're getting in the sports media world this week. Of course, like we just said, number 16, the University of Maryland, Baltimore County, beating number one Virginia. It's the biggest upset ever in sports. We've never seen it before. We've never had a 16 beat a one. So it has to be the biggest upset in sports. Yeah, I don't think so. See, once again, we love to convince ourselves that what we have just seen in sports is the greatest thing that's ever happened in sports. That's not always the case, though. Like, we want to convince ourselves our generation is better than other generations. We're seeing something special. You didn't see something special. We did. It's not the biggest upset in sports. Let me ask you a question. Going into this tournament, did anyone think Virginia was unbeatable? A couple people in the sports media world said they were the favorites, but no. I don't think anyone thought Virginia was unbeatable. I think we all thought they had some flaws in their game. We didn't know if they could get it done offensively. Russ McKinstry came on the show last week, said, I really like Virginia. Not sure about their offense. That concerns me a little bit. I don't think anyone thought Virginia was unbeatable. We did think Mike Tyson was unbeatable. We did think the Russian hockey team was unbeatable in the 1980 Olympics. We did think the University of Nevada, Las Vegas was unbeatable. We did think the Baltimore Colts were unbeatable against the New York Jets in Super Bowl III. There was no way North Carolina State could possibly beat Houston back in 1983. There was no way Villanova could beat Georgetown back in 1985. This isn't the biggest upset ever. Is it the first time a 16 beat a 1? Yes. Was it an upset? No question. Is it the biggest upset ever? No, because we all knew that Virginia could be beat. That wasn't the question. Virginia lost to Virginia Tech and to West Virginia this year. You can't tell me we didn't think they could be beaten. We all knew that. This wasn't that kind of situation. Big upset. A historical event. No question about that. Biggest upset. Not even close. On that same subject, we are hearing that Virginia head coach Tony Bennett coaches a style that is just too slow. He's only defensive-minded, and that calm demeanor he had just kind of did them in. Because when they were getting beat by a 16 seed, we needed Tony Bennett to be losing his mind and throwing clipboards and getting excited. And as a result of him not doing that, that's why Virginia lost. It was just Tony Bennett's style. That's why he lost. Yeah, I don't agree with that. 
We see different coaching styles work every single day. We see different coaching styles win titles every single year. I mean, Jay Wright won it all at Villanova just a couple years ago. They walked it up. They played good defense. Jay Wright doesn't get too excited on the sideline. It's not that different. What about Raleigh Massimino back in 85? They took the air out of the ball and beat Georgetown. Don't forget, Syracuse did win a title with Carmelo in that group playing nothing but zone. Nolan Richardson won titles at Arkansas pressing all over the place. You had North Carolina winning with early offense. You had Indiana winning with motion offense. You had Duke winning with single post offense. You had Florida winning with high-low offense. Jim Valvano, completely animated coach. Danny Crum, he barely showed any emotion on the sideline at all. It makes no difference. There's a million different coaching styles. You've got to be true to yourself. You've got to be true to your kids. Your kids have to buy in. And at the end of the day, your kids have to execute. If they do that, you're in good shape. If they don't, then you're not. All of the takes we're hearing about Virginia losing to Maryland, Baltimore County, is the fact that their offense let them down. Actually, it didn't. Their defense let them down. They couldn't get stops when they had to get stops. Maryland, Baltimore County, and give them credit, they shot the lights out. They'll probably never do it again. They probably never did it before. They shot the lights out that night. It was their night. I don't know that Virginia's offense really let them down. Their defense did. It was just one of those nights. Nothing you can do about that, and I sure don't put all the blame on Tony Bennett in that situation. Another thing that we're hearing is that Oklahoma guard Trey Young is either going to be boom or bust in the NBA. No in-between. I actually heard a pretty well-known sports figure talking about this. Trey Young's either going to be boom or he's going to be bust. He's either going to be great or we're never going to hear from him again. Nothing in between. It's going to be one or the other. Yeah, or maybe he's just like a decent point guard. Like maybe his scoring goes down. But maybe he's still a really, really good passer. Let's not forget that the guy he's being compared to, Stephen Curry, don't forget, Stephen Curry didn't turn the world upside down when he first got to the NBA. In fact, I believe the Warriors were looking to deal him and couldn't get any takers. So can Trey Young be a star? Maybe. I think he's going to have some improvements to make in his game. Can he be a bust? Yeah, it's possible. We have to see how he develops at that next level. But could he just be a solid, decent point guard? Yeah, maybe. It's not boom or bust with Trey Young. It's not boom or bust with anybody usually. And my biggest thing with Trey Young is this. Let's be patient and let him develop in the NBA because we're going to start getting overreactions very, very soon after like his first game. Well, we've already seen the future and he's not going to make it. Slow down. This kid can't even buy a beer yet. He's not even fully developed as a man yet. Let's go ahead and wait and see what Trey Young's going to be. Okay, our final overreaction of the week, and it is bizarrely growing some popularity. I have now heard it on some big sports networks. No, not the big sports network, but on this other sports network that I think we all know which one that is. I've heard it a lot. I've heard it from a couple of different guys. And that overreaction is this. A single elimination tournament like March Madness really doesn't make any sense. You play this long season, you play this regular season, and then you just play this goofy tournament where we don't really prove who the best team is. 
We just prove who the hottest team is. For those six games or whatever, we just see who the hottest team is. But this doesn't really prove anything. This isn't a true way to declare a champion. That isn't how this should be. They should figure out some other way to find a true champion, to really get the best teams. Because we can see with all these upsets, it can't be the best teams. I mean, we saw Virginia go out. We saw Cincinnati go out. We saw Xavier go out. Those look like the best teams going into the tournament. This tournament clearly doesn't show who the greatest teams are. Couple problems with that rationale. Two problems, really. First, these same people that are saying this nonsense, they don't say that about professional football. When the New England Patriots won two kind of fluky Super Bowls, these same people are declaring them the greatest team ever and that their quarterback is the greatest quarterback ever. Hey, why is it different? Maybe the NFL playoffs don't really prove who is the greatest in the season. It's a single elimination tournament too. Secondly, if you wanted to change the NCAA tournament, like what else would you do? Play a best of seven with these kids? Just stop. Just stop. The NCAA tournament is the most amazing postseason in all of sports. The closest thing to it probably is the NFL. What do they both have in common? Both single elimination. Win and go on, lose and go home. How does it get any better than that? All the pressure on. You don't get to take a night off in game six. I don't really feel like playing tonight in game two. No, you step up and you find a way to win Sometimes on your worst night, or you're done. You can sit there and say it doesn't declare a true champion. Oh, I think it does even more. I think it absolutely tells which team could suck it up on a night they weren't feeling it. Those are the teams that survive and advance every single year. Hey, tomorrow is Friday. Of course, we will be looking at the latest major sports news and stories, and we will be previewing the weekend in sports. Plus, don't forget, we will have tomorrow on the show a major daily dose announcement that you do not want to miss plus as we do every single friday we will have our daily dose top five you know that you always have to tune in for that i have to say thank you so much for listening to the daily dose every single day thank you for the feedback thank you for the questions thank you for the suggestions thank you for sharing the show it is all very very appreciated if you have not subscribed to the show i would encourage you Go over to wherever it is that you listen to the show and just click that little subscribe button. It would help us so much. Have to say thank you to JSP. Could not do any of this without you. I will see you all tomorrow. Have a great Thursday and enjoy the Sweet 16 tonight.